Tonight, I want to speak to you on the title of the message, Eight Claims of Christ. Eight Claims of Christ. Now, every Christian must know what Christ himself claimed to be. And everyone who is not saved, I just want you to listen carefully that at the end of this teaching, you will draw a conclusion and I advise you to choose Christ. Amen. Now, when people make claims, we have to hold them by what they have said and check out a few evidences to prove that they are what they really said they are. And in life, many times, people don't make such public claims unless they are really confident tricksters. But Jesus Christ made some very powerful claims. And this evening, I want to narrow down on eight of them Especially in this week, in this season, which is Passion Week, in which, which is the Easter week, in which we remember that once upon a time, God became man and walked the face of the earth for one sole purpose, that he would die on the cross and save humanity from their sins, which humans can't do anything about. Humans are sinners from birth and no amount of bleach they will manufacture will be able to blot out their sins except by the shed blood of Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God, who died and rose again triumphantly on the third day. So when we celebrate Easter, it's very important that those who don't believe in God at all should pay attention to why we do this. And also for Christians to have a refresher course this evening, to remember that the Christ we serve is not one of those masters. He's not one of those religious leaders. He is Christ the son of the living God. And he made some very powerful claims that I believe that every believer needs to thoroughly understand and be able to articulate to the advancement of their faith and to help them stay on course and to also be able to do the master's will. The first claim that Jesus made was that Christ himself claimed to be deity. He claimed to be God. He claimed to be deity. So he's not just one of those people. He is actually God. And he made that claim. And I want to show you a few scriptures that point to such claims. In John chapter 17 verse 5, we see a very strange declaration by Jesus. In John 17 5, Jesus says, and now he was praying the high priestly prayer of Christ in John 17. The whole chapter is a record of Jesus' intercession. And the Bible says that he says, now, O Father, Glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world began. Hey, he said he has an equal glory with the Father before the world began. That is an emphatic claim to deity. It's an emphatic claim that he is equal to the one we all know to be the creator of the world. If you assume Jesus was one like Muhammad and all the other prophets of old and prophets of other religions, this one is different. This one says a prayer that has never been recorded anywhere on the face of the earth. He makes a bold prayer to God. How can you make such a prayer to God? Now remember that God does not lie. And God doesn't tolerate nonsense. You can go to him and make some prayers and certain claims. He can kill you immediately. You can't really go to God with certain claims. Now, Jesus prays and says, Now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself. (laughs) 
restored the glory we had, an equal glory. The glory we had, I've come to finish the work. Now, the glory we had before, I want you to now take it back on me. With the glory which I had with you before the world began. Before the world began, I had an equal glory with you. No wonder later on he says, I and my father, we are one. So when it comes to the Godhead, we know that God exists eternally as three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are equal as God, except that they observe what we call subordination. So as to make the work go on. So one is Father, the other is Son. And the other is Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not their youngest brother. He's equally God, but he functions in such a capacity. Amen. So in substance, they are God. And when it comes to personalities, they are three distinct persons, but one God. And you can't just comprehend this with your human mind. Flesh and blood cannot reveal this to you, except the spirit of my father who is in heaven. Jesus made that claim sometime later on. But the Bible teaches us that this is how God exists. It's a mystery. We can't comprehend it with our finite minds. We have to believe it. Amen. God is not understood. He is believed. Praise God. That's why the Bible didn't say, understand the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He said, you shall believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Understanding only comes by the Spirit of God who opens our eyes and our understanding progressively, but we cannot con comprehend and capture an infinite God into our finite brain. That is why you need to believe. Hallelujah. So Jesus himself claimed deity by making one of the most powerful and strange prayer requests ever recorded in scripture. And you can't find any other Elijah, Moses, any of those people who ever tried to pray such a prayer. And he said, oh now, oh father, glorify me together with yourself. With the glory which I had with you. He's telling him, you know, I have a certain glory with you before the world began. So we existed before the world began. And that is a very powerful statement because no one existed before the world began except God. So for someone to claim I had something with you before the world began, that person is God. Because God existed before he created the angels. He was not created. And this is what makes Christianity unique. And what we have believed. Very, very wonderful. Hallelujah. I want you to look at further claims when he claimed to be deity. Claimed to be God. John chapter 8 verse 56 to 59. So when people ask what is all this fuss about. That is about Easter. And that somebody came to die and this is just a. You know, cock and bull story is just a funny story. This is one of those, it's not one of those Greek mythologies. This one happened real. And the one that died is God, the son. That's why I said to you, I love referring to him as God, the son. Because sometimes when we say son of God, some people think that God is a woman that gave birth. As the Muslims erroneously think that that is what Christians are laying claim to. <laughs> John chapter 8, verse 56 to 59, it says, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. They were trying to challenge him about something. And then he made a very strange declaration. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. 
and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, you are not even yet 50 years old. And you have seen Abraham. Jesus said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And if you look into your scriptures, you will notice strangely that the, the I am is in all capitals. So even though they were recording, when it came to when he said before Abraham, I am, the I am was in all capitals, emphasizing the import of what he meant by making that statement to the Pharisees, the Jews, and all of them, saying to them, they told him, you are not 50 years old. How do you say Abraham has seen your day? He said, I want you to know before Abraham, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself out of the temple, going through the midst of them and so passed by. Now, the, yes, before I explain this to you, I want you to first of all, you know, sometimes when you read the scriptures to understand it, it is very good to look at certain reactions. He made a statement that to you, you wonder, what is, even if you are not very careful, you think that he has committed a grammatical mistake. He should have said before Abraham, I was. But he said before Abraham, I am. And immediately he makes this statement that to you may sound harmless. The Jews pick up stones to stone him. Whenever they take up stones to stone, they are ready for implementing a scriptural provision that tells them to execute someone. And the moment he made that statement, they understood what he meant. That he has claimed to be God. That is why they took up stones. That's why they saw it as blasphemy. That's what the Bible said. Immediately they took up stones and they wanted to stone him because the penalty for blasphemy is death through stoning. That's why they were ready to do it because they, unlike us, they immediately understood what he said. Before Abraham, I am, he used the exact words that God the Father himself had used in Exodus 3.14 to describe himself when Moses asked him, what is your name? When he met Moses at the burning bush and Moses didn't want to, you know, respond to the call. And Moses was arguing that he didn't know how to talk and etc. He tried to come up with another nice excuse to say, well, anyway, after pushing me, well, I don't know your name. If you said I should go to the Jews, what name should I say to them that has spoken to me. Who is your? Who are you and what is your name? And then he said to them, to him, when you go, say to the Jews that I am has sent you. That I am is my name forever. That is very powerful. So ever since God himself was asked a direct question by man, because throughout all this period until this point, nobody has ever asked him his name. We only see from the beginning of the book of Genesis that in the beginning, God created heaven and earth. We are told God, you know, the Hebrews say Elohim. But nobody has ever tried to ask him his name. From Genesis all the way to this point in Exodus, people have prayed to this God. And at least they've known him as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, making reference. But nobody directly posed that question to him. And Moses, trying to justify the reason why he won't go on this mission... Then asked the question. He was surprised God was ready to give an answer. And God said, my name is I am. I am that I am is my name. And he said, and this is my name forever throughout all generations. So when we find Jesus thousands of years later, 
confronted with a question about Abraham and they're trying to tell him when he said, Abraham rejoiced when he saw my days. They couldn't understand what he was talking about. Then he said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my days. They said, you are, yet, you are not yet 50. How do you know Abraham? Then he says, before Abraham, I am. He didn't say I was. And then the scripture is also clear. All is in capitals. Exactly in the same format as it was in Exodus 3.14. I am, that I am, were not in small letters. It's I am. I am. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. So Jesus made that unmistakable claim to deity when he made this pronouncement that I am. I existed before Abraham. He says, before Abraham, I existed. If he was called James, he would have actually been telling them, before Abraham, James. That's what he's saying. So his name is I am. And immediately, if that was the name, the man, the one that Moses met at the burning bush said was his name. Now we see years later, Jesus, the son of God, says his name is I am. We are getting somewhere. That means he's equal to the one who said I am first. Hallelujah. So he made such an emphatic claim, and I want us to look at it again. Another example in Mark chapter 14, verse 16, 61 to 62, sorry. Mark 14, 61 to 62. He made another claim to deity before the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin. Now these are the doctors of the Lord. They've summoned him, and this happened exactly around the same time as we are remembering the death of Christ. When he was arrested and brought before Caiaphas. And the entire Sanhedrin had met. These are the students of Judaism. These are the people who know the law of Moses off head. They don't need to look into a book. They know everything from Genesis to Deuteronomy. Word for word. These are specialists of the law. Any statement you make, they get the understanding clearly. They don't need interpretation. And the Bible tells us when he was brought before the council to be tried and crucified... The Bible said, the chief priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? All the Jews from the priests to the lowest know there is a Christ coming. They called him the Messiah. They know that one is coming. And they know who that one is, that that one is the holy one of God. They know that one is God, the son. They know all of that. That one is not a strange thing to them. But as to whether he is the one standing before them is what their eyes were close to. Because they were expecting something else. They missed a point. They thought that the son of David would be born in the palace. And that's where they missed the prophecy. And so the scripture tells us that they asked him, Are you the Christ, the son of the blessed one? And Jesus responded, I am. And then he says, he goes further and he says, and you will see the son of man. You take note of the words he was using. The son of man. Sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. They ask you a simple question. Are you the Christ? He said, I am using the same name again. Then he went on further to rub into their faces. A very serious statement and claim that can fast track your execution. That is why you will read later on. As soon as he made this statement, the high priest says, what are we waiting for anymore? We have heard it ourselves. Let's crucify him. What have they heard themselves? This claim to deity is what they heard. 
That's why they immediately said, you are going to die. It doesn't matter. This is serious now. You were doing it in town. We don't mind you. You are standing in this court. In our presence. In the presence of the chief priest. And you are claiming to be God. Without fear. He said, you will see the son of man. Sitting at the right hand of the mighty one. And coming in the clouds of heaven. You see, a biblically illiterate person will miss the point of Jesus and the import of his words. But not Caiaphas, not Annas, and not any of the guys seated that day. They know it excellently. And they know that the statement he was making, they knew that in he saying, son of man, and saying he will come on the clouds of heaven, he was making an overt reference to the son of man recorded in Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter 7 and the verse number 13 to 14. Daniel 7, 13 to 14. So Jesus joined two scriptures there from the Old Testament that point to the deity of God Almighty, the Messiah himself. And he joined the, the Exodus chapter 3, 14. And then he joined Daniel 7, 13 to 14. In Daniel 7, 13 to 14, Daniel came in with a very powerful messianic prophecy of the end times. And he said, I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man. Have you seen it there? One like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days. That is another name for God. He is the ancient of days. He has been existing for a very, very long time. And they brought him near before him. Then to him, this son of man, who is coming in the clouds, it was given to him dominion and glory and kingdom so that all people, all nations, and all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. All human kingdoms will be destroyed. The only kingdom, even Satan's kingdom will be destroyed. The only kingdom that cannot be destroyed and will not be destroyed is the kingdom of God himself. And so when Jesus was asked a simple question, are you the Christ? He made them get a revelation of the whole thing. That I am, and he goes on, I am that son of man. <laughs> that will sit in the class and say, you will see me coming. In other words, because this son of man will also judge all people. So it was also a statement to them that this very call that is trying me, I will judge you myself one day. They got the message very clear. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. So in doing so, he was not only claiming to be the pre-existent sovereign of the universe, but he was also prophesying that... He would vindicate his claim by judging the very court that is trying him at this moment. <laughs> and he went on further. I mean, the things he said there, time will fail me to give you all. But if you look at Psalm 110, you will see that it talks about he having dominion and coming to rule and sitting at the right hand of the Father. Psalm 110, verse 1. So Jesus combined quite a lot of scriptures in making the statement he made. He was claiming that he would sit upon the throne of Israel's God and share God's very glory. And if you are a student of the Old Testament, you know that this is the very height of blasphemy. To claim to be God. And to claim to be that son of man who will sit at the right hand of the Father and will judge all nations and rule forever and ever. So Christ made an emphatic claim to deity that he is God. From the references I have given to you. Hallelujah. Amen.
And then you also see him that he also taught his disciples that they should pray in his name. That is a very emphatic claim to deity. We only pray in the name of God. But when he taught them to pray in his name, he has equated himself to the level of a God. Hallelujah. Even Muhammad did not ask his people to pray in his name. They don't pray in his name. All other religious leaders have never asked anybody to pray in, in, in their names. But Jesus made that claim. In John chapter 16, verse 23 to 24, the Bible says, In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name, but ask and you will receive, so that your joy will be full. Hallelujah. So, point number one, which I have proved with a few scriptures this evening, is that number one, he claimed to be God. In other words, he claimed deity. Amen. Number two, this evening, he claimed that he and the Father were one, and that he was the Son of God. He made that claim very clear, that he and the Father are equal. He made that claim. John chapter 10, verse 30, 33, and 36. Jesus speaking again, he says, I and my father are one. When he says, I and my father are one, he's not referring to they wearing the same jersey, or uniform, or kit, or cloth. When there's funerals, they take cloth. They wear the same cloth. <laughs> Jesus was making reference to the fact that he is in substance the same as the father. In substance. And that means God. God. He is God. He and the father are one as God. So the Jews answered him, for a good work we will not stone you, but for blasphemy and because you that's verse 33. We're reading verse 33. 30, he says, I and my father are one. I told you his audience understood him. His audience, they understood. Whenever he makes a reference, they understand it. Those guys are schooled in the word. They have been well educated in the law. So they know things about the Messiah. Things are, they, they know everything. If you make a statement, because for the Jews, they are training and they are Bible study, which we call, I mean, we are calling Bible study today, but, you know, their study of the Torah is, is like theology to them. They are giving clear exegesis of the, of the scriptures. When you say something, they understand the context in which you are speaking. So when Jesus was addressing his audience, they understand him perfectly. We, in our generation, we struggle to see why these guys are making a fuss. <laughs> but it's only when we get thoughts like I'm teaching you tonight, then we begin to understand why certain statements attract stones. <laughs> Those ones don't... You see, today we preach and people clap for us. Those days when Jesus makes a statement, the people understand it and they don't clap. They take stones. And the Bible said, he said, I and my father are one. Verse 33, then the Jews said to him, for a good work, we will not stone you. But for blasphemy, we will stone you for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Have you seen it here? So when he says, I and my father are one, they got it clearly. It means he is God. He is God. This week, tell somebody, Jesus Christ is God. He deserves to be worshipped. 
He is God the Son. Nobody else could save humanity from our sins. Everyone who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you are a sinner. You don't have eternal life. You already have eternal death. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That means anyone who do not believe in him will perish and they will have everlasting death. And so when we talk about Easter, it's about understanding that it took God the son to become human, to die and pay the price to satisfy the conditions for our salvation ever since Adam and Eve broke God's law. And we, through Adam and Eve's sin, we have become sinners and we are subject to death. But God so loved us. He made a way for us. It is not very easy to understand this, but you must believe it in Jesus' name. So the Bible says in verse 36, do you say of him whom the Father sanctifies and sent into the world you are blaspheming because I said I am the Son of God? Amen. So, this scripture also tells us that he claimed that he and the Father were one and that he was the Son of God and that he is God. Amen. Point number three. Claim three. He also claimed that to know him was to know God. Jesus claimed that if you know him, you have known God. That's another powerful claim to deity. To know him is to know God. John chapter 14. I will give all of you an assignment. When you go home, after our normal Bible reading, which we are reading, I want you to go back just around the Easter period. Just read the book of John. Read it. You will see and understand God. Because in the book of John, John presented Jesus as the son of God. Matthew presented him as Messiah. Mark presented him as a wonder worker. Luke presented him as the son of man, but John presented him as the son of God. And when you read that, you will begin to understand who Christ is. And that you will know that the one living in you is God. And that you have not believed a fable, but you have believed in God the son. And that you are not lost if you are a Christian because you are called by his name. The Bible says, Jesus claimed that if you know him, you know God. In John 14, verse 7 to 9, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he made another strange claim. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. Because the disciples asked him to show them the father. He said, if you know me, you know the Father. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. How? He's not talking about they closing their eyes or sleeping. He's walking with them. They said, show him the Father. They, he should show them the Father. He said, ah, you have walked with me and you haven't seen me. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. But in case you don't know, Anyway, from this afternoon, you have seen the Father. That's what he was saying. He said, from now on, you know him and have seen him. From now on, where is he? He's standing before you. Look at verse 8. So Philip wanted to satisfy himself. He said to him, Lord, show us the Father. 
then it will be sufficient for us. These revelations, these things you are saying in strange languages, we don't understand. Just show us the Father. Where is he standing? Can you show us a picture of him? We always see you praying to this Father. And every time, my Father, and my Father, my Father. Show us the Father. Then we ask you, you are telling us that if we have seen you, then we have seen him. And now, with immediate effect, we have seen him. We still don't understand. So, Philip said, come on, show us the Father and his suffices. It will be sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? And yet, you have not known me, Philip. People, carefully take note of these words. Somebody said, show us God the Father. He said, you have walked with me and you have not yet known me. He's claiming to be God. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say I should show you the Father? Hey. Wow. Charles, do you understand this one? Jesus is standing before them and he's saying to them, if you see me, you have seen the Father. I have no picture to show to you. If you see me, you have seen the Father. What a claim. What a claim to deity. Hallelujah. If Jesus is in you, you have the Father in you. Glory be to Jesus. He said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And my Father and I will come and abide inside you. And we will honor you. My God. Hallelujah. He said, if you know him, you know the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Number four, he says to see him was to see God. He claimed that if you see him, you have seen God. We've read that scripture already, but just to see it. First, he says, if you, if you claim to know him, then you know God. Because he said, have I not been with you and you don't know me? When they ask about that. The point number four, the claim four, is that he says that if you see him, you have seen God. And that's this verse nine of John chapter 14. He said, Jesus said to him, I have been with you. Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Look at John 12, 45. We are looking at the claim that to see him was to see God. Jesus claimed that if you see him, you have seen God. John chapter 12, verse 45. It says, and he who sees me, sees him who sent me. Anyone who sees me, have seen the one who sent me. And Jesus never said Satan sent him. He said God the Father sent him. So he's saying when you see him, you have seen the Father. You have seen the Father. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. Point number five, claim five. It says to receive him was to receive God. Jesus said, anyone that receives him has received God. Anyone who receives him has already received God. What a blessing. Matthew chapter 10 and the verse number 40. That's why you must be excited as a Christian. That when you have received Christ, you have actually received God. Now that's a very serious claim. Because... Anybody who has received anything that is not Christ has not received God. <laughs> Any other religion that tells you to receive somebody else, that person is not, has not received God. Because the only way you receive God is to receive Jesus Christ. Amen. He says in Matthew chapter 10 verse 40, He who receives you receives me. 
And he who receives me, receives him who sent me. He said, if you have received him, you have already received the father too. Because the father sent him. Amen. Claim number six. It says, if you believe in him, you have believed in God. Jesus said, anyone that believes in him has automatically believed in God. What a claim. John chapter 12 and the verse number 44. Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Hey. He said, if you believe in him, you have actually not believed in him, but you have actually believed the one who sent him. And if God the Father sent him, then when you believe in Christ, you have believed in God the Father. That's how we get saved. That's how God begins to hear us. That's why we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But when we are praying, we say, Father, in the name of Jesus. That the Father looks upon us because we have received his son and we have received him also. Amen. Number seven. Jesus claimed that when you honor him, you have honored God the Father. To honor him was to honor God the Father. Amen. Remember, he has claimed to be God. So he said, when you honor him, you have honored God. John chapter 5, verse 23. He says, so that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son, does not honor the Father who sent him. John 5, 23. All may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. And anyone who does not honor the Son, is not honoring the Father. That is... Claiming equality with God. Amen. What a claim. Look at Mark 9, 37. He says, whoever receives one of these little children in my name has received me. And whoever receives me, receives not me, but the one who sent me. Glory be to Jesus. So when we honor Jesus, we are honoring the Father as well. And he says, when we honor him, we have honored God. And finally, claim number eight. He claimed authority over life and death. He claimed that he has authority over life and death. What a statement. What a claim. He has authority over life and death. Church, if you are a Christian tonight, it is not a hopeless case. Because when you have Christ... You have the one who has authority over life and the one who has authority over death. When the son of God who has authority over death is inside you, he must give permission before anybody can take your life. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. The Bible says in Mark chapter 9, sorry, John chapter 5 verse 21, John 5 21, Jesus said, For as the father raises the dead, and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. Amen. He says the father has power to give life and to raise from the dead. He said in the same way, the son has power to give life to anyone that he wills. Who is in this world who doesn't want life? We all want life. And Jesus says he has power to give life. 
this is something that is reserved for only God. But Jesus has power to give life. When we remember Easter, we are remembering an occasion where the Son of God gave his life so that he can give life to all of us. It is a joy to know that you can have life and have it more abundantly. He said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Buddha could not make such a statement. Confucius can't make it. The name itself is confusing. Confucius can't make such a statement. Muhammad cannot make such a statement. All those other people cannot. Satan can't make such a claim. Jesus said, I give my life. I put my life down and I will raise it up again. As a man gives his life for his friends. He said, greater love has no man than this that a man can give his life for his brethren, for his friends. Jesus deserves to be worshipped. Jesus deserves to be honored. And tonight, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have not believed in vain. Even if death comes at any time, you know himself made that claim. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone that lives in me and believes in me, even though they die physically, yet they will live. But anyone who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, when they die physically, their soul continues, but their soul continues in eternal death. The real you is a spirit being that lives in this body. One day, we will check out of this body. But let it be that when that moment comes, Christ is your Lord. Hallelujah. And so when it is Easter, we just need to go out and tell the world, there is life in Christ. Any other thing you are pursuing will not give you life. Jesus said, I have what it takes to give life. And I give it to anybody I will. Amen. So if Jesus is God, and is owed the same honor as God, then a person cannot reject Jesus and claim to be right with the Father. You know, there are some people that reject Jesus and they claim that for them they worship God, but they don't worship God through Jesus. Well, if you reject Jesus, you have rejected the Father. We have seen from all the eight claims, he has claimed to be exactly equal with the Father. If you honor Jesus, you have honored the Father. And when you deny his deity, you are dishonoring him. If you deny that he is God, you are dishonoring him. Because truly he is God. Amen. And he made that claim from the beginning. That first scripture I showed you. He said to the father in the prayer in John 17. That give me that glory that belongs to me. That I shared with you before the world began. And so honor Jesus. Honoring Jesus means... That you are actually also making public that you know and understand and confess that he is God. Anything short of that is dishonoring him. When somebody is qualified in a particular position and you choose not to honor them with their title and their office, you are dishonoring them. Jesus qualifies. He is God, the son. And give him all the honor that he deserves. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't downgrade him to anything less than divinity. Don't downgrade him to one of the masters and good teachers of old. There are people who deny his deity and say, well, we don't mind. We understand he came, but he's one of the good teachers. Unbeliever, let me make it very clear to you. You don't satisfy me and think you have actually tickled my ears, that you have actually, you know, said that you believe that he's one of the teachers. I want you to believe that he's God. 
He made that such a claim. It is your understanding of that that will bring you life. If you only know him as one of the good teachers, you have no life. You have downgraded him. He's more than that. He's more than a good teacher. He is God, the creator. Hallelujah. In John chapter 1 verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. That word was God. And the Bible says, And that all things were made by him and for him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him is life. In him is life. This word, who is a person, in him is life. And this life is the light of man. There was a man sent by God. His name is John. He came to bear witness of the light. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness of that true light. And then the verse number 12 of John chapter 1 says, As many as receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Hallelujah. Glory be to Jesus. And the verse number 14 says, And we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. For the law came through Moses, but the truth, but grace, the grace that we need to be saved, it only comes through Jesus. Jesus the Christ. Hallelujah. Somebody clap your hands and give Jesus Christ a better honor tonight. Glory be to Jesus. He claimed to have authority over life and death in Jesus mighty name. Give him all the praise. Hallelujah. Last Sunday I told you about his academic qualifications. That he holds an MSc which is master of over stinking circumstances. Tonight I present his PhD. Power over hell and death. Hallelujah. So he holds a PhD in that one too. You need to learn to give him all the honor. 